0: Season 1, Episode 4 of Strange Row Radio. My name is Tope Johnson, and however you found us, be it merely by accident or fate, let's call it fate, we're glad you're here. You can find us over at YouTube, all social media. And if you want to hear more, well, do that. There's extra going on over at patreon.com forward slash strange radio. We got our 369 club. That's a new deal. Get a load of that. Get some free merch. Some extras on there, including our mini virtual conferences we had last year as well. That's at patreon.com forward slash strangebrowradio. Or if you just want to make a contribution out of the goodness of your heart, you can do that. Just go into PayPal. Or you can go to the banner at the YouTube site and just click the PayPal link. All right, more on our guest. We'll be right back. well before we get to the guest today i will tell you that we have an event coming up strange brow radio presents sasquatch and anomalous audio analysis february 6th and 7th of this year that is super bowl weekend sbw but let's say you know football's lost its luster there's no crowds there i don't know is there an opening act you can watch the opening act and then if you're tired of seeing the pig skin tossed around you can hear us toss around theories about Sasquatch audio analysis that's February 6th and 7th Uh, we have uh, quite a show planned for you and uh, some teasers of a Sasquatch documentary as well so you want to tune up for that and I'll tell you exactly how to do that and exactly who we have as speakers such as Ron Moorhead will be speaking along with Scott Taylor and Kevin Carney and myself. The title of the event is going to be Sasquatch and anomalous audio analysis. And so of course, you know, Ron, you know him from the Sierra sounds. He does a lot with strange brow radio, lives down the road. Kevin Carney is what I would call a very matter of fact, um, Well, Scott Taylor as well. Very matter of fact, very matter of fact, professional, uh, technical men who happen to lean into the stranger aspects along with me and Ron into not only the audio analysis, but the mystery of Sasquatch in general and everything that surrounds it. So um, you can sign up for that for now for free. I'd love it if you did. You can ask questions live with us as we present. We're going to dig into audio analysis, hopefully on a whole new level, a two-day conference specifically geared towards looking into the analysis uh, that we've gleamed while we're out in the field and share with you what we've learned. Now, we don't know everything. We're learning like you are. But when it comes to mistakes we've made, I'll cover those and I'll make a few live with you on Facebook. I'm sure I will. So you want to check that out. Uh, it's the right group of guys uh, to do this. And we're going to get into the nitty gritty as far as the stranger sounds that you may catch, you may miss when you're out recording in the field. And then we're going out in the field. Uh, Ron will be coming in live uh, via Zoom. So he will be Zooming in virtually like Max Headroom, Ron Hedrum. And then the three of us will all be together inside of an office up here in Arlington, Washington, Arlington, Washington, taking all the precautions necessary to put on a good show for two days. The three of us and uh, uh, some more people, Brent Dill and uh, Tommy Knaff and some other people will be heading up into the remote areas of Sasquatch country. Hopefully the weather holds out and doing it overnight and then coming back the following day, which would be the seventh Sunday morning To do kind of a live breakdown of how things went, uh, probably to warm up quite a bit, too, because it's going to be a cold night and we're going to be coming fresh out of the bush and uh, going on on camera with the way we look. So that ought to be good. You can see who has the best hammock hair. Um, Yeah, at least I still got my hair. (laughs) So it might be me. Anyway, check that out February 6th and 7th over at Strange Brow Radio. Today, we have Doug Hychek, brain child, inventor, creator. He is the Einstein meets Frankenstein who <laughs> has built Monster Quest on the History Channel. If you don't know what Monster Quest is, well, you've, you've been trapped under a large rock. Um, and, but don't worry, we'll help you out of that large rock that is laying on top of your brain. And tell you that uh, Monster Quest is really a, it was the the show a preemptive show for many young men that got interested in cryptozoology, and uh, so you can blame them for a lot of it. It started after Leonard Nimoy as well. So Doug Highcheck uh, is my guest today, and we talk about his what he's calling a one sheet a single sheet on what is known as Sasquatch albavernix. That is the chalky white handprints that I've mentioned many a times that are anomalous, greasy, oily handprints that you can't scrub out of, well, anything that they touch, really. It uh, is a very interesting situation, and it goes back much farther than Doug's work with it. It goes uh, back at least to uh, looking into Daryl Sims' work. So hopefully we can pick this up. Where Daryl Sims and Doug have kind of left off because if you're into Bigfoot, um, oftentimes people say they see dusty handprints, or uh, I've heard them described as ashy handprints that are adhered to sides of cars and windows, and in our case, uh, indoor bedrooms. Uh, interesting, strange stuff. And it just refuses to go away as a part of the Bigfoot story. So we're going to look into it, talk about it and talk about Doug's life in general and and the show here. So you uh, have maybe not subscribed to YouTube. Well now's your time to do that because the video is up of Doug and I talking from his laboratory. I will call it a straight up laboratory in the background and a very interesting guy, nice guy, very open and uh, hope to talk to him again in the future so here is my conversation with creator of monster quest and oh so much more doug highchunk all right my guest today is doug highcheck no stranger to tv and no stranger to fans of cryptozoology and all things cool and strange including history channels the monster quest or monster quest hello doug how are you doing toby doing good thanks for uh coming on the air today yeah, it's good no to uh talk to you again now we had an initial conversation in the beginning a couple days ago and it was in regards to and this is where we'll start off um because i already gave a little bit of a preamble as i said to who you were and so they're they are aware but as far as it pertains to the paper that you wrote here i want to get into the paper uh that you put out on Alba Vernix. So explain to people exactly what that paper is and uh, why'd you write it?
1: Okay. I think it was July, Not, not sure of the exact month, but I'd finally seen another set of these white type fingerprints. And all of a sudden it hit me this isn't dust. This isn't mud. Cause I've been for 20 years, I've been seeing, you know, people sending me pictures. Oh, I've got a big handprint on my truck. It left a dusty, muddy fingerprint. And I just kept hearing this over and over for years. But, um, there was a guy that I was working with who had sent me a picture of a camera trap. And he said, there's fingerprints all over it. And he said, I can't get them off. And I mean, it just flooded into me, Toby. I'm like, okay, there's something going on here. And so it was only maybe a week after that, that Michael um, Waldy and he'd contacted me and said there was a big nose print on a window. And he goes, and it's all white. And I thought, oh my goodness. Okay, here it is again, these white greasy waxy fingerprints um in this case you know it was a nose print or a face print so the bottom line is i just wanted to get out the word to people to say hey this isn't dust if you find a fingerprint that's really white on your on your window after sasquatch activity please be aware that it might be important You know, you may not just wanna just wipe it off. You may wanna get some Q-tips, collect it, Mm -hmm. put it in a bag because I have checked, it's gonna have DNA in it. Everybody's looking for hair. Everybody's looking for, um, you know, blood and those types of things. And this may be the biggest harbinger of DNA we've ever seen for this animal. And it also, if you think about it, um, our sebum is gonna have a ton of different chemicals It's going to have different waxes in it their wax and their sebum might be completely different totally different
0: right let's go over the the derivative of the name alba vernex, white thick thick waxy oil correct yes that's that's what it means okay and you coined the phrase no i did not Um, okay
1: that phrase was coined by shelley covington montana okay um we were we were talking about this and i'm like we got to quit calling it white stuff
0: right
1: and she said basically i'll call you back right and she calls back and said let's coin it alba vernix i love it let alba vernix yeah because if you've ever seen a newborn baby when they're born mm-hmm. they're covered with this amazing wax it's extremely waterproof mm-hmm. extremely protective and this is very similar to that in texture
0: okay and has it you said it can be tested has it been tested and what has been gleaned from the test
1: no it has not been tested yet that's coming that is coming Mm -hmm. um a a gas chromatograph test like this and then to have the data analyzed is going to cost a lot of money you know and then we have to do it over and over so let's Mm -hmm. say one test and let's say we find out it has numerous properties that are different to humans we can't really re- release that information because no one's going to pay attention to it. But if we collect it in three different areas, test mm-hmm. it and each sample has got some type of a, or lack of a certain chemical that humans do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now we can't, and yet it's got uh, human primate fingerprints, friction ridges. Um, then we have something we can talk about because that is going to be far more impactful for scientists than a photo. I mean, really, we, we can give them photos all day long, and you know it, and I know it, they're just going to laugh. They're just going to go, yeah, it's like, we need a body. <clears throat> and I don't care what kind of photos or videos. I mean, we've had the Patterson footage for, uh, what, over 50 years now. It does nothing. And that one shows muscles, tendons, um, you know, and all sorts of extremely unique anatomy, including with a joint bend. So it's done nothing. But this could be a game changer because it's so common. I probably get one picture a week of these handprints. So it isn't like it's a rare thing.
0: Right. And we've been trying to find answers to this, not only on this show, but just privately for the last three years. And we, we started calling it White Chalky. Yeah, uh, see,
1: see, here's the thing. Me and you have never c- communicated before. No, there's tons of people that have probably noticed this as you have mm-hmm. a long time ago because you shared some of your photos.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, gosh knows how many other groups are calling mm-hmm. it this white stuff. It's <laughs> right. finally though, but it, but, mm-hmm. but really, if we put a name to it and mm-hmm. start thinking about it as a substance. Mm that we can collect, we can have analyzed. It's kind of a big deal.
0: Yeah, it's a huge deal. And I feel like, uh, you know, we're on the cusp of everybody paying attention to something new and breaking. Um, Regarding your find here, how many people have reached out to you since you broke this paper? Because now it's it's it. Let's remind people, too, that you're not a social media guy. You're you're new to the world of Facebook.
1: Yeah, in fact, I'm, I'm so fresh. It's been, what, four weeks for me?
0: Right. Welcome.
1: Um, Yeah, thank you. And it's it's really been amazing. You know, if I would have known, did you know that not one person ever tapped me on the shoulder and said, you know, you really should join Facebook. There's all these Bigfoot groups, all Uh these paranormal groups. I had no idea. So I just joined and found out this on my own. And I, you know, I don't know if I have regrets, but boy, it's been interesting four weeks, really interesting. Um, I would say at least 11 people have reached out with amazing photos and you're one of them.
0: Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. Because these are people that I haven't reached out to either. In fact, I think there's only one other person uh, that has come forward and said, you know, my dog went out in the woods and came back uh, with this white chalky powder. In fact, it's a regular thing for her as an extended experiencer of Sasquatch to have her dog come back with this. And so um, it was a relief, a really big surprise to see that there was a paper uh, written about this.
1: Yeah, and I just thought, I just had this wild idea. I thought, I'll do a one-sheet. It's the way I communicate with executives. You know, if I'm pitching a TV show, I'll just do it a quick one-sheet. One for a soft pitch, and I thought, I'll just do a one-sheet. Threw it up there, and it mm-hmm. was amazing, the reactions. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool because it mm-hmm. also gets other websites. They can just copy, paste, and bam, it's up on their website.
0: Now, has it got the attention of the Meldrums of the world or other people uh, scratching their heads saying, now, okay, what do we have?
1: No, I have not heard from any other scientists or anybody who is a doctor or is a doctorate Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've had one conversation with a doctorate who, who's who got a PhD, and he had some ideas.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but no one's reached out yet, but I think that'll happen soon. I really do.
0: Right. The only other person that I, uh, I've heard about a white chalky substance and relating to Sasquatch was the book uh, – Mayo Manotang by Pearl Parada. And I talked to you a little bit about the uh, stone or rock or compound called yeah. yep. Yep. Um That was the only other person. And she has a really interesting theory on why they may use it and uh, whether or not it's been found and stool samples. I, I can't quite say, but um, hey, if anybody's listening to this show uh, and you want to get in touch with me, or you want to get in touch with Doug through me, or if you want to get in touch with Doug now that he's on social media, and you have some of these prints, you know good and well that, that we do, and we, we would love to get more information out about this.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping in three months we'll have the mm-hmm. first sample that goes out, and mm-hmm. the first thing I want to do is find out are there any weird chemicals in it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: other than just wax and, and oil. For all we know, it has some volatile compound in it because I have seen evidence it actually etches into plastic permanently. Now, we'll
0: explain types. explain what you mean, because you're an okay. engineer, you you got a scientific mind. What do you mean etches in?
1: Okay. So um there's there's certain plastics like styrene plastic, mm-hmm. ABS plastic, and so on. It's sensitive to um uh volatile compounds like uh mek or tooling or you know even gasoline can dissolve it um and these fingerprints were etched in i mean they they couldn't be washed off Mm -hmm. scrubbing they couldn't be washed off and these are these are detailed fingerprints i mean they're so detailed you can see the sweat pores but yet it's etched right into the plastic so that tells me there may be vocs which is a you know a volatile organic compound, but that VOC could come from something they're eating. Um, it could be a plant. It could. Who knows? We don't know anything. All we know is we have things to test. That's all we know.
0: Now there is a collection kit too that people can make. Yes. Can they make this on their own? Or yeah, they, they could. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I recommend they go to. Um, Shelly Covington, Montana's Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Get a hold of her if they need any information. Um, she's happy to tell people how to make their own kits. Right. She has kits for sale. Um, it, it's Certainly, the main thing to collect DNA is it's got to be dry. You've got to keep it dry. <clears throat> you don't want to put it in plastic necessarily. A Q-tip would be a great way to collect anything. You know, mm-hmm. Put it in a paper envelope. Mm-hmm. Um, store it dry. It doesn't even have to be refrigerated as long as it's dry. That's the key.
0: Should we assume, Doug, that most impressions, since they are oily and waxy in nature, face, feet, hands, any kind of body, any sebum, will it? it won't necessarily always turn white, but should we assume it has that same compound that these, this white substance does? Yeah, it seems to have
1: either, and I've seen the chalky, you know, where it's more chalky. And I've seen it where it's more smeary, but they all have the same color. Mm-hmm. So let's say they're, they're, they're getting into a substance they like to coat their bodies with. They're putting it in their, in their hair. They're using it for something. So it could be something they're gathering and wiping on themselves could mm-hmm. be a mosquito repellent could be to keep ticks away. For all we know, it could be a, a scent cover. I mean, think of all the things that we put on our bodies, right. you know, soaps and oils and lotions and mosquito repellents and, you know, all sorts of things. But if we lived in the, in nature, there may be all sorts of things that they're doing. You know, um, I know people drink uh, certain types of oils to just, naturally repel mosquitoes. There's all sorts of things. So we don't, once again, we don't know anything. But what we do know is we have a lot of questions. And that's, I just loved it that you had so many exciting questions. And in, in some ways, Toby, you were more just, you were just excited.
0: <laughs> I'm relieved. I mean, relieved you know, the excited. thing about when when you have these kind of experiences and you have a a testimony of a brother in arms, you know, saying this is strange. We did have this moment. We don't understand what happened. It is a relief.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that, um, it's, it's going to be a kind of a big thing this year. I'm hoping. The other thing I don't know, I don't know exactly how much these tests are going to cost exactly, but the key is, isn't even the test. The key is the, the, analyzing what the test shows, comparing it to primate Mm -hmm. sebum, comparing it to, um, you know, all sorts of things, certain plant compounds. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take some scientist that's going to have to spend a considerable amount of time. But when we get the bingo, it's going to be amazing.
0: So Um, to Oh, go ahead, Doug. Sorry.
1: Well, I was just going to say, as an example, if you compare our sebum with a gorilla, they do not have an what they call an SQ molecule, which we have, which protects us from UVB, um, UV light, you know, sunburns and so on. It's something in our skin oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, primates that are hair covered don't have that because they don't need it. And so there's one difference, you know, that, that mm-hmm. just that alone. Right. Where, let's say um, people start sending a certain group of scientists. The stuff they've collected, they know damn well they didn't collect it from gorillas, and they have photos to go with it, and suddenly there's no SQ molecule in it. That's going to get their attention, you know, and if that's all we do, it's a good thing.
0: So are you ready for pushback from academia that says, well, it was contaminated?
1: Oh, my goodness. No, not on this one, because, for instance, we have six... I think it's 60 specific wax compounds in our sebum.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Who knows the differences that are going to be there. If they're, I'm hoping they're going to be great. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to be able to fake chemical compounds, not in a consistent basis. You know, I've got a number of samples already collected. I, gu- I guarantee I'll be getting more. You're probably going to get more. Mm-hmm. And so, collectively, if we can get this consistency going, and mm-hmm. it's very different than what humans leave, right. behind, Or other primates even leave behind, it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be, I'm just hoping for that jaw drop moment. Yeah, I really out.
0: Absolutely. Well, bravo to uh, Shelley uh, looking down this rabbit hole here and coming up with a substantial name that. Uh, will catch academia's eyes and more so than chalky white (laughs) and so that's a that's fantastic so for anybody that has this on their window right now or on their car door um, and all they have is uh, a means to go collect the sample you know haphazardly how would you what could they do to collect the sample and should they save it or send it or what should we do
1: yeah, okay. So the first thing is to, you know, take, take a lot of photos, really good photos. Try to get into the whoops and the whirls, any dermal ridges.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, get, you should try to get so good and, and get the lighting so you can actually see. There's a lot of sweat pores on our mm-hmm. fingers, um, on, our, on our palms, and their sweat pores seem to be quite large. So try to get some really good photography, which it's amazing. I've got a number of photos now. Even showing not only the, the friction ridges, but these amazing sweat pores, you know, which are really would be hard to fake. Um, then it would be a matter of uh, it's on photo, photoing it. You could take a small sample of it on a number of Q-tips. One could be for DNA. One can be for the, the compounds. The other one is to lift it, you know, actually lift it on uh-huh. clear tape. And um, I think there's some clear contact paper, but you're going to want to dust it. Some kind of fine. Shelly was using some type of a really fine makeup dust. Mm. And she was lifting prints. It seemed to work really well. Yep.
2: Okay. But I
1: would definitely, um, she's going to have a video out real soon. um, That's going to go up on uh, the Olympic project. I I think it stays away and it's going to go into great detail.
0: Okay. That 's so, fantastic
1: project
0: yep. yeah um, well let 's get into some new territory here because sure. uh, this is a this is a project that is underway, and again, if people uh, heed doug 's words, you can collect those samples and and save those and preserve those i 'm thinking of a couple of people in particular that I just spoke to in the last couple of months about impressions, so i 'll get a hold of them and uh, but you mentioned let 's just go into the world real quick of. Patty, because not a lot of people know the work that you've done privately looking into the PG film. But going over your uh, bio here, Doug, um, you're the only person to do a 3D animation of Patty's rotating left leg and with something you call the the mountain gate. Is that correct? correct. Yep. Yep. Okay. So correct. what's so unique and why spend the time looking at Patty's left leg?
1: Okay. Um, well, it isn't just her left leg. It's both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can actually see it in both legs. So one of the things that I did was obviously listen to um, people like Grover Krantz who said, well, they had compliant gait. Everybody just talked about the compliant gait with the knees never locked, right? And Jeff Meldrum, he's kind of stuck on the mid-tarsal break. But that seems to be where everything just quit. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm looking at this footage going, oh, there's a whole lot more going on than just a compliant gait. You know, yeah, I see the knees. But I'm also, I, I noticed the legs literally splaying outwards, you know, where where this, if the tip of my hand is her body, the legs were splaying out like that and like that. And then I saw this swimming action going on where one um, hip would rotate in order to place the foot in mm-hmm. a straight line, like a tightrope walk. Mm-hmm. And I just kept studying it and studying it, looping it and looping it. I'm sure everybody thought it was crazy. <laughs> Down in the basement for you know hours every night, just looking at this footage. Right. Um, and eventually it hit me exactly what it was doing. And where it was, the, the knees were basically knocking in and then knocking, then splaying outwards. In other words, um, similar to like a Peruvian horse gate. And if anybody knows anything about certain horse gates, they, they walk that way and they're trained to walk that way for smoothness. Well, what is the one thing we always hear about Bigfoot? Everybody goes, Oh, it glided across the road. It just floated across the road. It seemed to not even touch the road. It just smooth, smooth as silk, smooth as silk. You know, if you hear that once, you've heard it a thousand times. And and when I was, I was actually working with some Peruvian horses and filming them with a high-speed shutter from from the rear. And I was seeing the same darn thing. Mm-hmm. It was like, it just, once again, it's kind of like the, the white stuff that hit me.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like,
1: this is something that is designed to be extremely efficient, and to be extremely smooth and why would then you go well why wouldn't some creature need smoothness well if you've ever tried to look at something while you're walking it's it's not easy because you you know your head is bouncing it's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of pixels smear even with our eyes but if you could walk and walk at a good pace and have everything extremely smooth
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's going to improve your vision while you're walking 50 percent if not more
0: Well, even you as a a cameraman knows the benefit of a gimbal. And so you're talking literally about a locomotive gimbal for not only, now, do you think it's primarily for vision's sake? Is that the the fluid? I think it's
1: two things. Well, one, if you're going up and down, you're using energy. Mm -hmm. It's wasted calories. It's wasted. You know, when we walk, we walk extremely inefficient. But if you can just smooth it all out, -hmm. You're gonna just save a ton of energy, and so that would tell me that maybe they are long-distance walkers. Meaning, you know, they've kind of evolved to migrate, Mm -hmm. to move from one food area to another, to move from the bottom of the you know the valley up to the mountain. That they're moving a lot, and that course made sense to me too. And your gimbal analogy is perfect because, you know, how much better does that? Make the camera vision. I mean, it, you, is it 50% better, 100% better? It's extremely better.
0: Night and day, and it doesn't matter if you're running. Yep. It's still that liquid movement. Right. Mm-hmm. So
1: I'm just watching this and watching this. And once again, meanwhile, I'm taking real-time reports, and people are just out of the blue. They don't even know anything about Bigfoot going. It glided across the road. And I'm just like, okay, I'm on the right track here. Right. And so I wanted to animate it, just so I could see it, so I could see it walking to me, so I could see it walking away from me, so I could study it further. So I did it for my personal,
2: mm-hmm.
1: personal reason. And yeah, it's a little clunky the animation, you know, because but that didn't want that didn't matter to me. That yeah, it was a little bit clunky. I wanted to just envision what it's doing, and I can tell you, it's just like it's very similar to a Peruvian mm-hmm. orbs you know, in which they call their gate the mountain gate. You know, they're designed, those horses mm. are designed to climb mountains, keep everything smooth and climb down mm. smooth.
0: As far as the footage itself, uh, you're a camera guy. Uh, we've heard what uh, the likes of Bill Munns said and Disney yep. have said as far as the footage itself and then Bob himself. Yep. What, uh, what would it take, Doug, to hoax that back in 67? Oh, How, my- how much money would that first take? take Just what to give
1: you an example, did you know? I've, a lot of you will know this. I spend probably at least three hours a week on the phone with experts, still talking about the PG film. Today,
0: <laughs> I had a two okay, and a half. Okay, then I'm hour, not. Uh, I'm not out of bounds asking then.
1: No, 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 okay. no. I two and a half hours today on the phone with Bill Munns and another gentleman who had a million questions who's about to make a film. And I, I told him, I said, "Hey, let's get Bill on the phone." And he had a million questions. Mm -hmm. Bill answered all of his questions so well because Bill is an amazing communicator. I don't think anybody communicates like Bill Munns does. And the guy went, you're kidding me. These things are real then. (laughs) Wow. And, and, you know, just by Bill's Mm -hmm. explanations, which I know all of his explanations, but I'm not Mm -hmm. as smooth as Bill (laughs) is. Right. Is communicating them. But, I mean, okay, the joints, human joints don't bend. We're the Patterson creatures bending. The torso is too long. There's maybe a small population on an Indonesian island that has that body ratio. You know, you're just, it's, it's not something Roger did. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the muscles, the jiggle, um, the thigh, when it pounds on the ground, the breasts jiggle exactly mm-hmm. a certain way. You know, the skin folds and the armpits, the tendons,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, the amazing walk. Not only the compliant gait where the knees never lock. Mm-hmm. Could you, have you ever tried to walk on a tightrope when there isn't a tightrope to walk on? You tip over constantly. Don't right. put, put a gorilla suit on and try to do that. It's not happening.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: if you've ever been to Bluff Creek, Toby, a lot of people have gone there. The, the, the area where this thing was walking was kind of like walk, walking on beach sand. Extremely hard to walk on. You know, it kind of makes you already tip because the sand is giving way. Um, the hair. Um, there's one thing people don't know about the Patterson footage is that when it makes its turn to look at, actually I think it's Bob, it, it bristles. There is erection happening.
0: I've never heard that before.
1: No. You know, the only way you're going to see it is to get a very good copy of the original, do a three-light transfer real-time, put it up on a 4K monitor like I have, big monitor, and
0: watch people's jaw drop. Are you saying Patty's hackles go up? Yes. Yep. <laughs> I didn't know that. Would that make sense? The moment she turns, mm-hmm. ooh. Yeah, now how how could you ever fake that?
1: Yeah, to see this room full of people who are all just giggling and laughing, Mm -hmm. to watch every one of them almost turn white when they saw that. And that's when the moment they all Mm -hmm. knew, you know, of course, you can't fake it. And then they could see the tendons, Mm -hmm. you know, contracting and expanding and...
0: You know, we, we rarely talk about Patty on the show because it's such a fleeting, popular moment. But people that are listening to this aren't, you know, maybe watching the YouTube episode and don't know your history in the background. You're in your Bigfoot lab. I see Gigantopithecus skulls. I see Patty framed in the background. So to hear that you're still talking about this with glee and I see your face still light up with, oh gosh. with awe because it is kind of our Bigfoot man on the moon moment still.
1: Well, here's why Toby, there's no brush screening it, right? There's no trees. Uh-huh. We get to study all of its anatomy. We can see it from two different angles, uh-huh. We see it walking away from us. We see it actually from three different, you know, positions. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's an amazing uh-huh. piece of footage that has so much more to tell us. It's not right. done yet. I bet you we've learned one-tenth of what we're, what we're gonna learn from that footage.
0: And you feel as though we should be excited about this film coming out? Uh, you got a little peek at the guy's ideas or an actual motion picture or a documentary about this?
1: Well, it's a documentary and uh-huh. I don't really know much about it and certainly uh-huh. not at liberty to, you know, to talk about it. Sure, I will say the, the individual we talked with was extremely um, brilliant. Uh-huh. He had almost as much knowledge as Bill did. On, on film cameras and lenses and, you know, film stock and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And for me to introduce these two guys together was just, I just sat back and right. and listened because it was amazing.
0: <laughs> right.
1: You know, these guys were just yeah.
0: absolutely amazing. And you've taken a look down this road. I mean, with Legend Meets Science, oh, yeah. uh, you took a long look down this rabbit hole. So it's been explored on one angle. This feels like maybe it might be a different angle and more in-depth look well, is that possible
1: yeah but yeah possibly and there's mm. also some new things that have come to light which are really interesting which basically debunk a lot of the um it debunks without debunking um and i don't really want to talk about it yet because we just great. found out about it today
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay um but,
1: but there's, there's
0: exciting stuff on the horizon
1: put it this way it backs up the film okay look, great it, it backs it up even mm. more um, a lot of the arguments that people have really don't hold up you know they just don't but some of the solutions to those arguments
2: uh-huh.
1: don't make those other arguments wrong uh-huh. they just make them both right it's kind of hard to explain but um the patterson footage has got a lot more to tell us um, uh-huh. there's a there's a number of of ai things that, that i planning on doing um deep learning to enhance it even more um right now i think there's some real they, they mm. say they're 4k on the on youtube they're not you know what i mean it's just <laughs> they're not but you know the difference yeah the, mm. there will be there will be some really cool stuff coming up you know i'm hoping okay this year. yep
0: yeah now um you have some exciting stuff too coming up. Looking over your bio, it looks like uh, you may have something in the works yourself. Taking a look uh, down yeah. this rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Yep,
1: I'm, um, I've got a new project. Once again, until, <laughs> until my contract is signed, I don't want to talk too much about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, yeah, th- this is going to be the year of the Bigfoot.
0: As far okay. As I- Last year was UFOs. This year, yeah, it's yeah, all Sasquatch. Exactly. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and I really well, am hoping there'll be some major breakthroughs this year. I've I've already got major breakthroughs, but I got to get them out to the public.
0: Okay, one piece at a time. Yeah. Now, when you were just speaking about uh, some of these new things coming up, um, you know, I sense a little bit of frustration. Not only the fact that you can't talk about it, but um, I think it's a a nice way to say. Um, interesting data. These frustrating elements that come up related to the phenomena that kind of confuse science. It's as though um, you can't reproduce the science. It's unheard of science. It gets very frustrating very quick, especially if you're looking into the DNA. And so let's talk about some of those frustrating attributes. Now, you worked with Les Stroud on his uh, Survivor Man finding Bigfoot. Now, Les has come out and talked about some of these frustrating attributes as it relates to his experience while he's filming. One of the things that Les has spoken about on Joe Rogan is being pinned in his tent while there were uh, supernatural things going on outside of his tent. Uh, This is not uncommon territory for people that go into Bigfoot habitat. Have you ever experienced anything that would be similar to what Les described?
1: Well, um, a number of things. One, I do find it odd that I've gone to so many locations and had activity. I find that odd. My son finds that extremely odd. He's actually trying to look for a place in the wilderness he can go to, do a little wood knocking, you know, nothing big, do a little wood knocking, go to bed, and actually be able to sleep through the night without having rocks thrown near their tent, rock clacking, wood knocking right near their camp. And so he's confused.
2: Uh-huh.
1: But yet, not confused because we don't know. I mean, just because you go in the wilderness and you have Bigfoot activity doesn't mean it's supernatural. Right. Um, but I've, yeah, I've had some things that I couldn't explain. Uh-huh. Um, I've been, the last time that I really don't have much of an explanation, I I took my youngest daughter up to a wilderness area, and we were with my son, Blaine, a good friend of mine, his daughter, and we, we did some wood knocking, I'm trying to remember, we did some wood knocking, heard a scream right away, Toby, I mean, just right away. My daughter was like, oh my God, this is, you know, she couldn't believe it which I thought I found weird because it happened. We hadn't even been there 20 minutes
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we heard this scream right by the cabin after we did a wood knock. Well, to make a long story short that night, or we, I better pre- preface it. We walk into this beautiful cabin. It's about 11 miles off. Uh, it's on a logging road, solar powered off the grid, you know, but it's nice. It's not like some little shack up on blocks. And so we walk in, there's no curtains in this place. And the first thing my daughter did, who was about 13, she goes, "Uh, I'm not sleeping in any room without a blanket covering the window or a curtain. And so we found, I said, well, find something, I'll tape something up. And so she found a big blanket and I taped it up. But that night, I was awoken probably about two in the morning by something walking on the porch that our bedroom faced. And I hear it walking up, and I hear it opening and closing a recycling bin. You know, it's got like a button you have to push. But it opens and closes it like 20 times. Then it goes over to the other side of the porch and opens and closes it. Then it walks down the stairway to a truck, to our truck with a tonneau cover on it. Mm-hmm. and you hear it playing with the velcro and i'm sitting there and of course my daughter's in the room and i'm like well i don't really want to throw the curtain open
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know i'm thinking about safety believe it or not and um, plus i'm probably you know hesitant just on my own because you don't want to throw a curtain open and be face to face with something scare it sure and so then it walks back down, walks back, repeats the, the, the recycle bins again. And then, after about maybe 10 times, I'm laying there wide awake. I start finally just dozing off. And we were both then woken instantly by the cabin getting shoved so hard uh-huh. that the bed that we were in flew away from the wall. We both sat up simultaneously and it was first to my heard my daughter I swear. She just looked at me and said, what, the, you know, Yeah, Yeah. And, uh, um, and, and it was insane. But I looked, I studied the cabin. I'm like, I couldn't do that. It was like a truck hit the cabin.
0: Okay. So what is your, do you have an explanation for that? Well, uh, let's think off the uh, let's think out of the box. If it wasn't, let's say it was some kind of energy field, is there anything that we have that we're even toying with that could reproduce that sound or make you think that you felt it and heard it, or was that a physical moment at all?
1: Um, don't know, but the mm-hmm. bed was the bed was pushed away from the wall.
0: Okay, that's oh, it did physical. Fly away
1: from the wall. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't like a screen memory or anything.
1: No, no. We both said you know, <laughs> Right. It was. It right. was violent, Toby.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: What was cool is that every night it attacked another wall. Oh wow. Around the entire cabin, Mm -hmm. night after night. Mm -hmm. Each and we even predicted Joe, he was on the last wall, we said, Well, tonight's your night. (laughs) Because what it would do is play with stuff, you know, around the cabin, throw rocks, threw a lot of rocks at the cabin. Not violently, but then it would do a grand finale right before dawn. And that would be a big go-boom. It would throw something. And that was our grand finale. I don't know. I don't think it was a screen memory. But, you know, who who am I to say?
0: Well, okay. So, if you didn't, uh, did you find anything on the ground that would be indicative of an object being thrown?
1: No. Here's here's the thing. Um, This cabin was just completely surrounded by um, broken uh, uh, granite. Okay. big chunks of granite just covered so they didn't have any so they had no maintenance you didn't have to have weeds growing up around the cabin gotcha and so this thing could come out of the forest and step on big rocks mm-hmm. and then step on the granite okay so we never but on the porch
0: mm-hmm.
1: we, yes we found little rocks recorded them with audio recordings
0: mm-hmm.
1: all night long we got a ton of recordings of this thing messing with the cabin
0: with everything that you've been involved with uh, as far as camera systems, uh, many camera systems that you've invented or retooled, how do you think, uh, has that hindered our approach into looking at this subject or has it helped it and what do you think uh, we can do different in the future, Doug?
1: Well, I put it this way, I haven't, I haven't gotten, given, given up yet, but I've been made a fool of for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> these things have made a fool out of me because no matter what I come
0: up with, mm-hmm. they
1: always let me know. They just beat me. Right. I've done things like mechanical things. I've done, um, tripwire things. I've done done two pound monofilament line traps. And these things will set those traps off, but there's nothing there. hmm In fact, I've even set traps that I know that they've deliberately came and tested. Mm -hmm. Like they'll scare us away and then boom, my trap will go off. It's so, you know, it's too much of a coincidence to go, really? The two trees just got snapped right where we were standing. Everybody runs Mm -hmm. in fear of their life and then all of a sudden the trap Mm -hmm. goes off. You know, and, and yet it, It's like it knew that it needed to test that.
0: Well, okay, pause that thought right there, Doug, because what else do we have in nature that mimics this behavior?
1: There's nothing I know of. A human, Mm -hmm. you know, really smart, super aware human.
0: But it seems to even be over what a human's ability are to a degree. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, here you are. Uh, an engineer, a scientist, someone who's looked deep into this, and they've made a fool of you. What else can do that? And there's no human that can make a fool of Doug.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah, there
0: are. <laughs> <This> <laughs> but, of a, doubt.
1: But, but I'm not going to give up because uh-huh. I've got a bunch of other things that we're going to do and try.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Everything, whether it's nature, I even believe the supernatural has flaws. Everything's got a flaw. Uh-huh.
0: You know? Do you think they make mistakes?
1: Absolutely, of course,
0: mm-hmm.
1: of course they do. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what they are, but <laughs> no doubt they make mistakes. Yeah, you know they wouldn't be leaving this white stuff mm-hmm. behind. Um, they seem to have a a, a love for touching mm-hmm. smooth objects. Mm-hmm. You know, think about it. They don't have any glossy, shiny mm-hmm. things to touch in the forest. So maybe right. that's, maybe that's what attracts them to it. But they they can't resist something shiny.
0: Right. Now, do you do, when you go out into the woods, are you someone that will leave them something? Do you go and leave an offering or...
1: We've tried everything. Mm-hmm. I worked all summer in doing that. Mm-hmm. And once again, they get away with the offering mm-hmm. without giving up a photo. They get away with unscrewing things. They get mm-hmm. away with unnailing things. Unsc- you know, I mean, it's just, it's confusing.
0: Mm-hmm. frustrating so you have a camera deployed and then you have the object in front of the sure. lens yeah. mm-hmm. what's the strangest thing that's happened to your camera um
1: you know i really wouldn't say there's
0: one strange thing there's just mm-hmm. so many things you know the fact that nothing has happened on camera
1: yeah it's to the point where i'm i'm you know we've actually um thinking about trying to get a game camera company To have all of the images being to them. See here you deal with this stuff. (laughs) You can see us putting it up. Right. You can see us putting this whatever object is or Mm -hmm. food. And then you explain to me Mm -hmm. why it's missing.
0: Now, do you see the food actually disappear from one shot and then it's gone on the next shot kind of deal? Right. Right. And that happened to Les too, right? With the apples. Yeah. Right, except he caught what almost looked like a conical-shaped head coming up from the bottom of the frame, I think. Yeah, like, which
1: could be a bird. It, could, right. I mean, you, don't, you always get to see, and I've gotten a lot of those too. It's always the mm-hmm. side of a hand, maybe <laughs> right, the right. profile of an mm-hmm. eye, a brow. I mean, I've got a numerous photos right, that I'd have to point out to people what I think it could be It's mm-hmm. worth. We they right. don't seem to get close enough. I mean, we mm-hmm. had one last year where you can clearly see an auburn colored, which looks like maybe an arm, a long arm,
2: mm-hmm. and a
1: hand, but that's all we have. It's worth it. Yeah. What are you going to do with
0: that? Okay, so as far as the text, the specs on getting a photograph and what we've used before to do this and what we're using now, now that we have the advantage of FLIR, and it's getting cheaper now to where you can spend a couple hundred bucks and throw it on your phone and it's not that bad. Um, Is there anything on the horizon, Doug, that we can look forward to that, what do we have to look forward to?
1: 360, micro 360 cameras. Explain that. It's gonna be a a game changer, VR. So uh, many of you have, you know, played with VR. You can even go to YouTube and find VR, just look up VR videos. Uh You can see the sky, you can scroll, see the sky and the ground, right, left, 360. Well, it's cameras, the the VR cameras are already getting micro. They're getting smaller and smaller. How long will it be before we can all test VR cameras, Uh make VR camera traps? You can't sneak in behind it because it films behind it. Uh It films up. You can't come in from above Cause it films up, it films down. So I've just, um, um, I've got a camera system ready to be de- deployed a number of them that are VR. So it's filming every which way mm-hmm. and I can deploy them up in trees. I can deploy them and you know, they're quite small and you can deploy them. Basically if you picture a, a VR camera, and then little hooks, hooks attached all over it to where you can tie it onto a string monofilament line and throw it high into a tree into a new area Mm -hmm. it's going to film up down sideways maybe you wouldn't get this amazing
0: footage but dang it we (laughs) have got to be able to get something so at what point do we change our approach doug if that let's say that that works but let's say it doesn't work that goes on for another 25 years uh, yeah, and we exactly. don't, we don't end up with anything better than Patty. What do we do then is do you have any, I mean, do you look yep. down the road and say, listen, if in 15 years, we don't have answers in five years, I have to think something different's going on. Do you think that way? Yeah,
1: I think, um, I think, God, I'd love one year. I want to try whole different lighting systems, ultra frequency
2: mm-hmm.
1: UV mm-hmm. lighting systems. Mm-hmm. I want to, um, project um, lighting systems that are right on the edge of microwave, like literally right on the edge.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's all sorts of things that have not been tried. Um, even um, multi-frequency lighting systems mm-hmm. that, are, that are literally just turned on mm-hmm. um, and left on with some, kind, some type of, a, you know, a bait or something to draw them in okay no idea look at all the weird stuff people photograph with ir lighting you know people get an alarm they'll see oh there's like some glow outside or like Mm -hmm. an orb they'll send somebody out to look and see what's out there who's out there with a flashlight Mm -hmm. and they don't see it but yet the person watching the ir live stream Mm
2: -hmm. can
1: see it there's a lot of weird mysteries with wavelengths and lighting so until that's all been done Mm -hmm. Until every kind of micro 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 camera can be tried, why give up? I mean, what else do we have? We don't have anything else. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that go, "Well, it's just it's paranormal, and you know, forget about it." Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, that's not my attitude.
0: Right. What is unique about IR, uh, Doug? Explain that to the layman. Why is that such, and and what is the possibility that they can see the IR beam? I mean, we hear that all the time. That's all it is. They can see the beam.
1: Yeah, I hear that all the time. Well, you know, IR, true IR is about 800 nanometers, and we see from um, one spectrum, which starts in UV and goes to IR. I think they actually see in UV lighting. Which is a lighting that would show, okay, a black light is UV. Most people have seen a black light. And you'll see how things glow, you know, like a black light poster or anything with um, phosphorescent powder in it glows. Um, <clears throat> I suspect that they see in UV vision, which is the opposite of IR vision. I don't think they see in IR at all. But take a UV light and aim it at your camera trap. Parts of it will glow. What does, what does UV light, what would it do for an animal? Um, I've long suspected. I do a lot of black bear research. I've long suspected even black bears see in UV because if you watch a black bear eating like in the spring after they emerge from their den, there seems to be like, there's a bunch of catkins. which are the blossoms of aspen trees. And they're only eating certain ones. And I think that they're seeing the protein content. Oh, wow. By UV UV vision. They just found out caribou can see in UV vision, which would allow them to see urine, Mm. predator urine, Mm -hmm. would allow them to catch up to their own herd. They have to stop and calf, you know, and have a calf during the migration. They're her, you know, they have to wait, they're like three or four days before the calf can move. Well, this way they can follow the herd by the urine, by seeing UV, and they proved caribou seeing mm-hmm. UV light. So they right. see a glow. Think about all the advantages of seeing in UV light at night. You would see the trails of, of uh, small toads, mice, mm-hmm. you who know, were feeding on those animals. Um, you would see which berries were the ripest, which leaves were the which had the highest protein content, the fungus. If you were into fungus and ate fungus, you would see certain funguses glow. Um, you would see which is really interesting, the alba vernix, mm-hmm. which I find interesting, which is a possibility. They're leaving markers for each other.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah. It would just it'd be like a scene out of Avatar. They would just see the, exactly. yes. the footprints going down the trail like a, like we do when we shine yeah, a, exactly. a UV light at it.
1: Yep. So I recommend everybody grabs a UV, buy one, grab one on Amazon. Mm-hmm. They're cheap. They're like, you know, between six and 20 bucks.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and get one with a number of, you know, um, LED, UV LEDs. Go into the forest at night. It's a whole nother world. It is. It really is. And so, to me, the IR thing sees a lot of things that we really don't need to see. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people photograph orbs and, you know, I don't know. To me, it just could be a piece of dust, you know, that's reflecting the IR light. I'm just kind of ignoring the whole IR thing right now and heading right Mm -hmm. into the UV.
0: Right. Well, I know you have to head off, too, to your own... uh UV scenario here. I want to thank you, uh, Doug, for coming on the show and, uh, and talking to us. And uh, I will be in touch. And if you have any more information and want to reach out uh, publicly or privately, we would love to get an update on that. But again, people can go to Shelley Covington Montana's Facebook page to get a, a kit. Or the Olympic project is going to be coming out with a, a video. And uh, thank you again, Doug. And uh, have a good evening, and we look forward to hearing more from you.
1: Thank you, Toby. Yep, I'd love to talk again.
0: All right, so as promised, that was Doug Highcheck, And we have been uh, speaking ever since, every couple of weeks online. Uh, he has a lot to share, and hopefully we can get a, a part two to this. You know, Some of these guests, they need a little bit of breathing room before they talk about the other things that they want to talk about. And so that's what I hope that turns into with, with Doug because he's excited to be here in the, in the world of social media. It's so funny that he's just now discovering this whole thing, or at least that's what he says. But, you know, how do you really avoid it when you have kids? And I think he definitely does. So that was my conversation uh, that I have available to air with Doug Hycheck. Okay, as I said, don't forget, you can check it out again February 6th and 7th over at Facebook. That's where you'll find us. That's where the event tab is. If I didn't mention that, well, shame on me. Go to Strange Brow Radio at Facebook and there, click it in the events tab and you will be notified and you can join us, ask questions. Uh, we're going to go over types of recorders we use, what we do, strange things to look for, what programs to download, uh, tricks to uh, you know securing audio in the field when you have things like rain coming down around you it's going to be a lot of fun like i said we got the right group of people with us and you can you can sign up now if you want to enjoy the show more and want to look into more content you can do that as well over at patreon.com forward slash strange brow radio and there we have all sorts of stuff. Uh, we have our 369 Club for 3 bucks a month. You can join us. And there's uh, all sorts of members-only content. And then we have merch available now for you if you want to join uh, as well. So that's over at Strange Brow Radio. I'm sorry, patreon.com forward slash strangebrowradio. Also, I have uh, another episode coming up here shortly for you as well. So it'll either be episode... Five of season one or season two, episode one. Back-to-back episodes expected, including my conversation with co-authors of Where the Footprints In, volume two, uh, with Joshua Cutchins and Timothy Renner. Now, you don't have to leave your brains at the door to look into the paranormal. Oh, excuse me. There's a new word in town for explaining what the, the paranormal is. The phrase is counter-reality interaction. So you don't have to leave your brains at the door to entertain that, no. And you'll see that every bit of the way talking to these two gentlemen. You probably already know all about Timothy Renner's show and Strange Familiar's, but do you know about Joshua Cuttrin's work? Well, you, you certainly should. And when I air that episode, we are going to announce our next Strange Stroll, which will be coming up here soon. It's a lot of fun for me, it's a lot of fun for you. You get a vote on where I go, what I bring, And it's my way of giving back and immersing myself in the phenomena, if not for the whole evening, for a long while. So stay tuned for those. And you can find out more about the previous ones over at YouTube. Sign up for that. Subscribe. I think we're getting over 1,000 subscribers. And let's just keep growing those numbers by sharing content. All right, that's it for me. Have a good weekend. And, of course, I will see you in a tree.